Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raising His Kids, a podcast for stepmoms. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren, a child-free stepmom of one, hoping for an hour's baby soon. And I'm Tony, a bio mom of two and a stepmom of two. We are two stepmoms who, although we live at opposite ends of the world, quickly bonded over how we all deal with the same Karen as we navigate our lives raising his kids. Okay, so I guess we could just start by defining both of these terms, just in case people don't know what they are. Absolutely. And don't forget the third one that I added that we didn't post about. Oh, yes. A basic definition of parental alienation is a strategy whereby one parent intentionally displays to the child unjustified negativity aimed at the other parent. The purpose of this strategy is to damage the child's relationship with the other parent and to turn the child's emotions against that other parent. And emotional parentification is when the child feels responsible for emotional well-being of others in the family. The child might be dependent upon for emotional support from a parent, but not get general support in return. So the one that I wanted to add that we didn't post about was malicious parent syndrome, which is a type of vengeful behavior exhibited by some divorcing or separated parents. It occurs when a parent deliberately tries to place the other parent in a bad light and harm their child's relationship with them. I would like to point out for that one, it's not always in divorced and separated parents because my parents were together and my mom was high conflict. (laughs) There you go. Well, I took that from Google. I don't know what website it was. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, even in nuclear families, these things can happen. Yeah. Because people act like nuclear families are all like healthy families. That is totally not the case. How do you think they ended up with blended families? It's because nuclear right. just as twisted. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Some of the signs of alienation, which we got from the psych law website. All right. So there's blaming, which is blaming the other parent for breaking up the family or blaming the other parent or parents for whatever problems the alienate, alienating parent might have. They're spying which is using the children to spy on or gather dirt from the targeted parent. Oh, I hate that one. I know. (laughs) Luckily, we don't deal with that one anymore, I don't think. Questioning a child about the details of the other parent's personal life. Yeah, I still have to deal with that one. (laughs) Yeah. And eavesdropping on phone conversations between the child and the targeted parent. (sighs) I was going to say, I know you have some experience with that one. That's um, why we make them take their phone calls in the bedroom. Um, luckily for us, if he ever talks to his mom, um, at least like when he was younger, my husband held the phone for him. So there was no other conversations going on in the house because it was just me. So <laughs> now he doesn't really talk to her. But anyway, interfering with visitation, um, giving a child the choice as to whether to visit the targeted parent or not, often a violation of the court order, or being inflexible to reasonable changes in the visitation schedule, scheduling activities that conflict with visitation. We get that one a lot. Mm. And creating temptations designed to make visitation less appealing. And then there are a couple other signs, which is refusing access to the child's medical or school records, not allowing a child to transport his or her things before between residences, and acting hurt or sad if the child enjoys his or her time with the parent. Mm. That last one. That Yeah. That's um. I think that's a sore subject for you. Yeah, I feel very sore subject for me. But we can get more into that when we talk about what I'm dealing with when it comes to parental alienation and emotional parentification. Definitely. Um, the other thing is, so we have some things in our house that we don't allow the kids to transport to the other house. Yeah. Um, you know, like 
They can take their phones between houses. Their iPads have to stay here and, you know, just other things. But cheap crap toys, whatever. If there's a clothing item you really like and you really want to take it to the other house, then take it. But we do tell them to bring it back, especially if it's an expensive item. Not that they get many of them. But if it is an expensive item of clothing, we make we tell them you can take it, but you've got to bring it back next week. Right. But the kids quite often have like, no, you can't take that. That's mine. Instead of going, well, hang on, that's yours. Right. Yeah, definitely. We do the same thing with the toys. Um, if we let him take the toys that he wanted, there would be no toys here and we would have to continuously buy them. So we let him take one and we're like, if you don't bring that one back next week, then you can't take another one because otherwise we would have nothing and she would have double of everything, which he already has double the amount of toys at her house. So, yeah. And I find that fair. And that's something that we say to the kids, you know, if you take something from here and you don't bring it back, well, we're not going to replace it. So you have to go without until you come back exactly so after you just listed off the signs of alienation I just wanted to talk on something that hits me really hard because as I said we're looking at an autistic diagnosis for little J and it really irks me because I'm also looking at an autism diagnosis for big K and I can't imagine doing the things that are happening to little J I can't imagine doing them to Big K, like, and his dad's done some pretty crappy things, but I still encourage him to spend time with his dad and I do everything in my power for that. Yeah, so it just irks me. So I wrote a little, I got a few notes as well as things that I've spoken to the boys' therapists on because all three boys have done supported children after separation counselling before and this is, it's like a little bit of everything. It's, It's the effects on like a normal child, but how it's amplified for an autistic child. So I wrote, alienated children typically appear rude, ungrateful, spiteful, and cold toward the targeted parent. And they appear to be unaffected by feelings of guilt about their harsh treatment, gratitude for gifts, favors, child support provided by the targeted parent is non-existent. So basically what I mean by that is that the children just, they're ignorant of all those kind things and yes child support is a thing and child support shouldn't really be discussed with children but you know they have the other parent constantly telling them your dad doesn't pay for this or your mom doesn't pay for this right especially when they're the receiving parent and then that alienated child goes well you don't help my other parent pay for anything so you're the loser right and then so with all the therapists that my kids have seen because they've all seen different ones They've all said that in the case of an autistic child, this the effects happen tenfold because you might find that an autistic child already sometimes appears rude or ungrateful or spiteful or cold purely because they don't know how to socially interact. And, right. you know, this becomes multiplied for them because they're already lacking those social cues and then they've got one parent that they have a secure attachment with so they basically believe everything that parent says and does especially if an autistic child has a secure attachment with one parent over the other and the parent they have a secure attachment with is alienating the other parent basically it creates this boundary 
where the child really doesn't want to have a relationship with the other parent. Right. And that's so hard and so unfair. It is. And they have ridiculous reasons as to why they don't want to see the other parent. And it could be things like my bedtime is 30 minutes earlier in dad's house or mom's house. When I go to dad's house, dad makes me eat the vegetables and mom doesn't make me eat vegetables or, you know, screen time's limited in that house where it's not when they're with their secure parent and just really ridiculous reasons. Like if you told a child, like if you asked a child who genuinely doesn't want to see the other parent, they could give you a legitimate reason. Like when, for example, when Big K a year ago said, I don't want to see dad anymore. I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm scared. You know, that's a genuine, that's a genuine reason. He was scared. Something scared him. But I also put him into therapy so he could work on that instead of just going, it's all right, mate, you're not going to see your dad again. Right. You know, so, and I want to, and this is just touching briefly on what I'm dealing with, but I would like to think that Karen doesn't actually realize what she's doing. Yes. And I think that's a possibility in a lot of cases. You know, I, I get that she misses her son when he's here. But one thing that the boys therapists have always said is avoid telling the child that you miss them when they're in the other house, because that would make them feel unsafe. And, and, and this isn't even an autistic child. This is just any children. If your child is transitioning between homes, don't tell them that you're going to miss them while they're gone, because that that's putting, that's where that emotional parentification comes in. And you're making the child feel responsible for your emotions. If a child, if a child was to say to you, oh, I miss you, then yes, say, I miss you too, but you're loved, you're safe, you're with your other parent, I will see you when you come home. Yeah, that's a really good way to put that. And the other thing that the boys therapists have told us to, and I guess this touches on the tips of how to try and handle it, is Mm -hmm. to refrain from saying mum's house, dad's house, or mum's home, dad's home. They're both the child's homes, so it's your house with mum, your house with dad. Yeah, we need to get better about that one. Um, and it's easy. It's an easy trap to fall into. I find I do it sometimes and, you know, it gets confusing with the kids and the mom and the dad and the which parent and who's the step parent. Like I've got them coming yeah. in the direction. Um, and sometimes we fall into that trap. But one thing we're consistent with is that, oh, you're going home to mum. You know, even that's a bit better than just going, you're going to mum's house. Yeah. Um, whereas I know at least for big and little Jay, it's always, Karen's always told them that her house is their home and they're visiting dad's house. Yeah. We have this exact same thing. <laughs> and, you know, and even, even big K when he was only going to see his dad two nights a fortnight, I'd still say, oh, did you have fun when you went home to dad's? Oh yeah. It, it makes the children feel safe. And, it, and that it, makes total sense. Yeah. So you spoke about some signs of alienation and I wanted to go more, I wanted to delve more into the, delve more into the symptoms of alienation just quickly okay. before we get into everything else, telling our stories and listening questions. So, so a campaign of denigration 
um, which basically means while there was once a positive relationship, the child now shows constant hostility or unfairly criticizes the targeted parent. And this doesn't always have to be for biological parents. This could also be step parents that are targeted and parents can also be targeted by the step parent. Right. Number two on my list of symptoms is weak, frivolous, and absurd rationalizations, which basically means when they're confronted about why they feel negative towards the alienated parent, they can't justify their feelings. They can't give specific examples and their reasons are just bizarre. Um, you know, something about the parent's appearance or the food in the house, just absolute ridiculous things. Number three, number three is that basically a child suffering from parental alienation syndrome will see no redeeming qualities in the alienated parent. In in their eyes, the parent who is doing the alienating can do no wrong, but their feelings towards the alienated parent are wholly negative and critical. The independent thinker phenomenon, phenomenon, <laughs> whatever, everyone gets what I'm saying. Even though the alienating <laughs> parent has brainwashed the child to hate or fear the alienated parent, the child will insist that their reasons for this hatred are their own. The child would deny that any ideas came from the alienating parent, which this is something that we have to deal with when we ask little Jay, like, why are you saying you don't want to come here? And he literally just shrugs his shoulders. Yep. He, he can't tell us, which is why we know something is being said and someone is doing something. Exactly. And an absence of guilt. They don't feel guilty for their harsh and unjust treatment of the alienated parent and in most cases will act ungrateful spiteful or cold towards the alienated parent they will always support the alienating parent no matter the alienating parent's position the child will always take the side over the targeted parent number seven is borrowed phrases and scenarios alienated children will often borrow adult language or ideas from their alienator that they do not appear to understand that's interesting yeah and, and we've ha- it's it goes in hand kind of like with what we said in, uh, and I don't know if I cut it out of the episode because I haven't listened back to it since I edited it, but the Owls Baby episode, and we talk about uh, how T came out with these random things about how grandma knows about the baby. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't he couldn't explain anymore. Like that's where that comes into it. You know, he may not Sorry. have been quoting verbatim something that grandma said but it's the way he came out and said, grandma said, or grandma knows. That's right. That's that sort of thing. It's also like how I had BK tell me that apparently my husband and I were together when he was a younger baby. Really? He told me that he was told by someone that his stepfather, my husband and I were together when he was much younger before I left his father. Really? Which is just ridiculous. That is crazy. That It blows my mind that a parent would even, even if that was true, that they would say that to a kid. And he used the word affair. <gasps> no way. Oh my God. Like, like yeah, that's totally his thinking. <laughs> exactly. And 
Number eight was rejection of extended family, which is kind of where not only does it mean aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, this is also where the step parents come into. So the step parent may not actually be alienated. It could be just a fallout from the bio parent being alienated. Right. Okay. So for our listener questions, the first one we have is how to counteract, especially when we are long distance and his ex has them for so much of the time. Um, And then she clarifies with we're with them at least one long weekend a month plus longer breaks. But every time we want to try to see the kids more often and allowed by the custody agreement, we're told that they don't want to see us. If we force them, they'll not want to see us when they're 18. We worry it would be even worse if we moved closer, the ex would ramp it up more. So um, I guess the, the question really is, how do you counteract it? So, so for us, we fought for more custody. And for the most part, it goes swimmingly. But then there's times where that emotional parentification gets in the way and causes problems. I guess some of the tips, and I spoke about it on, I'm not going to read my post, but I I did make a post on my blended chaos a while back about emotional parentification. And I only gave two tips, which was teaching your child how to set clear boundaries, even if it's with the other parent. And help them learn what a child's responsibilities are and a child. And one thing I didn't write was also to help them learn what it what is and isn't a child's choice. That's awesome. How would you um like teach them that? So some of the things that we've done with the boys in therapy, love therapy for kids. Obviously, this stepmom doesn't have enough custody to be able to put yeah. the kids in therapy. Uh, but and it depends on the age of the kids as well. The older they are, it's easier to have more adult conversations with them and discuss these things in an age-appropriate manner. You know, we have conversations with Big J all the time where he talks about, so we have conversations with Big J all the time. You know, he, he'll he complain about the high school he's going to and things like that. He, you know, his friends group is changing, everything like that. And some of it is just normal kid stuff. But then there's the other side of things where we've turned around and said to him, like, you know, we tried to get you to go to a better school. We wanted you to go to a better school. And just on the weekend, my husband lost his mind about something and he ended up saying, you know, your mother tried to take you away from me and I had to take her to court and I didn't win what I wanted but I didn't lose everything either. And he's almost 13. Whether he was ready for that conversation or not, I think he needed to hear it because he needed to hear that we do love him and we do care for him and we wanted better for him, but it was out of our control. Right. You know, And that's really hard to explain to a kid, but like you said, at some point they have to know. That's it. And, you know, my husband pointed out going, you know, who has been there for you? Who has shown up to that school? Even when it's not our custody time, who's shown up to the school? Who's given you the support? Who, you know, just kind of putting it back on him, not not in a way going, your mother didn't do this, your mother didn't do that, blah, 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 blah. Right. But pointing out who's actually been there for him who's put in effort, who's trying to help. And you could see like the hamster wheel in his brain just going tick, 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 tick. And he needs to hear these things because we know that he's hearing absolute shit at the other house. He tells us all the time, he goes, oh, mum says I can't have this because you won't pay for it. And 
oh my god and you know there was something said on the weekend we're like mate we don't have money to spend on this stuff you want to ask your mother because we pay her ten thousand dollars a year that's five thousand dollars per child and you're in our care almost 50 percent of the time and he goes oh but mum says that you you need to still help pay for this that and the other and i probably shouldn't have chimed in but i did and i said when's your mother helped us pay for anything for you yes (laughs) seriously you are telling us that you know we need to help your mum pay for stuff but we are by giving her child support. She doesn't help us buy your school uniforms. She doesn't help us pay for your mobile phone. She doesn't help us pay for your extracurricular activities. She doesn't help us pay for your tutoring. Okay, we didn't list that off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but we wanted to. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm getting too off topic here, but it's about explaining things to children in childlike ways that they can understand and the older they are you can probably feed them a few hard truths right and you said that was big day that you had that conversation with right yeah so he turns he turns 13 in five months so I mean I feel like that's like one of the really good benefits of siblings is that he could then try to help little Jay through it um in like more simple terms yeah and he does like we had a big blow up on Friday when they transitioned to us you know he copped the mummy's gonna miss you all of that crap that triggered him and there was phone calls from the school saying you know and I received a phone call like his mother received a phone call she did nothing about it he's threatening to run away from the school mind you she didn't do anything nothing she sent a text to my husband who was in meetings all day so the school tried calling him couldn't get through to him so they called me they're like we've messaged we've called his mother what do you want us to do and I said well I'm about 30 minutes away I was going to pick Big J up from school first said I'll come straight to you and can you call him up to the office and he'd said he'd said to his teachers if my stepmom shows up I'm I'm gonna run away I'm not getting in her car oh my gosh this this is where constantly being told that she's gonna miss him affects him like these big, yeah. long drawn out goodbyes are not good and healthy for him and I got to the school and he looked at me and he shrugged he's like I'm going home with you aren't I <laughs> it's like yeah mate I said but I'm going to take you home early you can go get your bag and we're going to get out of here and the school were like expecting this big wild crazy meltdown I walked into the school and I felt like everyone was looking at me like I was a child abuser oh yeah he had been talking all day about how he was not going home with his stepmom and he's not doesn't want to be at his dad's house and all the rest and I walked in everyone's staring at me and I just I felt sick like and this is behavior that happens because of the emotional parentification right and that's so hard like that's so unfair to him it is. And Big J was kind of like, when he found out what happened, because I had to send him a text and say, hey, not going to be in our meeting point. You need to wait out the front of the school. I don't know how long I'm going to be. I could be half an hour late. He messaged back, why? And I just said, little J problems. He went, oh, great. Oh. And when he got in the car. So now it's affecting both of them. It, it is because it does. It affects his mood because... He doesn't want to be around his brother when he's having meltdowns. Yeah, understandably. And I had to bribe little Jay with he could sit in the front seat of the car and he could choose the radio station to get him in the car. But oh when God. Big Jay got in the car, he just 
he looked at him, he goes, what are you doing? He's like, do you really think that you could stir the school up so badly that mum would actually come get you? And little Jay was just staring at him, like turned back around in the back seat, glaring at him. And Big J turned around and said, mum doesn't want you there. If she really wanted you there, she would have picked you up from school. Oh, that's, I, I feel like that's good hearing it from a sibling though. I think it is. And it's really funny because for the first time in six months, I got a kiss and cuddle goodnight. Oh, wow. So it did work a little bit. (laughs) I I think it did. And we've probably had one of the better weeks until he had to see her on Monday because I couldn't pick them up from school. And there was a bit of a meltdown. But once we got him back in the car, he was fine. Right. I do think that seeing the other parent like mid- um schedule or whatever with like the other parent so like if uh if we had tea and he saw his mom in the middle of our time it confuses him because usually when he sees his mom he's going home with her so it really confuses him to see that and like have to interact with her and then still go back with us and he never likes it and he never has and I don't really think that exactly is the result of like alienation or anything I just think that it's confusing for kids it, it is it is even even big k has always had issues transitioning and that's why at a young age we we tried the whole transition every two days for two days and it did not work no that's way too much he and that's what it was recommended to us that at three he should be spending two to three days with me, then spend two days with his father, come back to me for two to three days and spend two days with his father. And he did not like it. No, there's way too much change so quickly. So we changed to a block of time and straight up he went there for four nights and he coped so much better. Now that he's older, he does a midweek dinner visit once a fortnight. So he goes to his dad's for example, this weekend, and then next week, so the week he comes home, he'll go do dinner with his dad. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, Mm. And he looks forward to that visit, and he's, I think he's used to it now, and he knows it's only dinner, and he gets picked up from school, and then he gets dropped back home. I think it would be more upsetting for him if he was to go to his dad's and stay at his dad. Mm -hmm. Whereas little Jay, it was just, it was once off, couldn't get them from school, needed them to catch the bus. It would have been better if she was working from the office that day and not home, but she was home and the whole thing became a drawn out mess. Yeah, that's really hard. And I I still don't know if I've answered this question fully. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did. Yeah, so... Uh, just to answer the stepmom's question is basically have grown up conversations in a childlike manner. Does that make sense? Like you're not yeah. giving them all the adult information. You give them the amount of information that they need. It is hard when you don't see them that often. We, our next step is to move closer to Karen, but we don't want to do that. We don't want to sell our house and move closer because then that's also right. a shit fight because we're moving further away from the other co-parent. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's like impossible for you. Um, and I think the comment about what the Karen in this situation is saying that if Barry dad and stepmom were to force the visitation that the kids don't want to see them, that's an alienating tactic. Yeah. Like it's a high conflict tactic, sorry. And, you know, they could be, it's hard without more information to give more. 
because you don't know exactly what this Karen is saying or doing in the situation other than what's written here. But the best thing is, is just keep communication going with the kids, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard for me because my stepson's still so young. Um, He doesn't really ask like questions or anything yet. Um, And we haven't really like, I think the one, the hardest part of and I don't even know if it consider, it's considered alienation, but it's like what you were talking about with the child support, like he sees it. I don't think he's being fed this, but he sees it as we provide nothing and his mom provides everything. She goes on vacations with him and like all of that. And we're paying for the vacation. <laughs> like we pay them uh, over $10,000 a year. So it's like, we're paying for that, but he doesn't see that. He just sees that his mom's taking him. And like I said, I don't think she's like saying to him that we don't provide anything, but that's how he sees it regardless. So um, I do think that's like one of the hardest parts of step or co-parenting in general for us is like, he thinks that we're just lazy doing nothing for him, but it's like, we can't afford it because we're paying for you and your mom to go. Well, it's not even that you can't afford it. Even if you could afford it, legally, she won't even let you take him on a holiday. Yeah, true. <laughs> so true. Right. And and he is still young. You know, he he probably doesn't really grasp any of those concepts yet. But like I said, it depends mm. on how old the child is. It depends on how to approach it. Yeah. And it, it also depends, like, how severe it is, I would say. Like, um, we deal with it a little bit, but nothing worth, like, really, like, hard truth addressing. Because, like, he's not, like ruining lives or anything so i mean like he's not having like meltdowns at school anymore or anything like that so um we haven't really felt like we need to do like hard truths yet so it might have be different if he was the same age but acting more aggressively about it but um so far not really so i think it depends on like the severity too absolutely because some of it could just be normal kids stuff Mm -hmm. you know like Big K turns around and goes, you don't buy me Maccas, which I don't know if you realize that's what we it call does. them here. Oh, okay. I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, and it's because, you know, I wish I could treat the kids, but we don't have a disposable income to spend on takeaway food. Yeah. So for him, he sees us as the poor house because we don't buy him takeaway food but every time he goes to his dad's house he gets takeaway food and it's it's the same for the jays we don't buy them takeaway food you know if we have a pizza night i do homemade pizza right (laughs) but they constantly get takeaway in the other house so we're forever seen as the poor house yeah us too so uh you said something the other day about how um we never take him out to eat because like I can't remember how he phrased it, but it was something like, oh, we never go because I'm here. And we're like, no, we never go, period, because we don't have the money. (laughs) Yeah. The next one we have, which I think you can chime in more than me because I haven't had the same experience growing up as you can, although I did ask my husband for his input on this question because he can answer it. And it is, do most kids grow up and see the truth? I don't want to say most kids because I don't know, um, but I know some do. And I, for us, that's what we're holding on to is that one day he'll get older and see the truth. So I grew up in, and and I'm going to touch on that later, but like in a situation where my mom, even though they were, it's complicated, they were together legally. I'm not going to get too much into that. But she was alienating us from my dad and the whole parentification, brainwashing, everything. And um, I I didn't grow out of it until I was out of the house. I moved out two days after I turned 18. Um, And then 
after that, my relationship with my dad started getting repaired a little bit because I finally started seeing the truth. And I honestly think having younger siblings helped with that because I saw that she was doing the same to them. And I was like, finally putting it together that like something wasn't right. But I also think that without the younger siblings, I would have put it together also. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was just like, so loyal to my mom. And I don't know why, like looking back, I'm like, I literally have no idea why. Cause she never like did anything like special or anything. I don't know. So yeah, I, I can definitely tell you that some kids grow out of it. But um, I'm not sure about all of them. What did your husband say about it? So I, so he has experience with this. As I've said before, he grew up in a high conflict situation. He had a step monster and he had a a high conflict bio mom. And his dad was kind of, his dad is exactly the same as him. Easy breezy, go with the flow, doesn't want to talk crap about anyone. But my husband has said so much and he says it about the boys he goes you know the older they get they'll probably want to come here less because they're so attached to their mother but hopefully they'll grow up like I did and see what the real problem was Mm -hmm. the only difference is is that I'm not the step monster in this case um whereas he had that um and there was like cases of like child abuse there was like cops called because she hit his younger brother Oh my God. Yeah. His mum's told me all about this story, but you know, he also had his mum talking shit about his dad and his stepmother the whole time. And, you know, he's to the point where he doesn't really have any family connections. He's grown up, he's realized this person's the problem, that person's the problem. And he's kind of thrown his hands up in the air and gone, I'll have as little to do with you as possible. And but yeah, he's he saw what the problem was, but unfortunately for him, it was on both sides. So, and because right. because his dad's still with his stepmother, you know, there's still some tension and some strain there. Yeah, I bet there is. That's really hard. Um, but I mean, at least he grew up and saw the truth too. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of people are holding on to with their stepkids. So, absolutely, and it's. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember what Big K said to me today, but it was something about his dad and I didn't even think before I spoke and I just said, well, what does that tell you? And he, he just went, yeah, mum, I know. Like, and oh. the sad thing is, is that he's eight. Right. Like, yeah, that's. He already gets it. And that's probably because I've always put him in therapy. <laughs> like, go, oh, yeah. get your problems out, mate. Like, let's do this. But speaking of therapy, one thing that little Jay's therapist told me was when we brought up the emotional parentification and the parental alienation with the therapist, she said, you need to prepare yourself that I may not even be able to fix this because of the autism. Right. Because the autism makes it harder and embeds the toxic lies so much deeper than a neurotypical child right and I I do think that they hold on to things a lot more like once it's like normal and the routine they just like hold on to it and it's really hard to like separate from that so I do have uh all my fingers crossed for you that he does grow out of it though it's still possible it is still possible and what we are hoping that with the more therapy he gets he will get the help and the support and he'll start talking about it and he will learn that hey this this isn't right. I 
I have another stepmom on my page that I talk to and she's from Australia and her and her husband no longer have a relationship with her stepson now that he's turned 18 because he's also autistic and was alienated for so long that they don't even have a relationship anymore. Oh, that's really sad. So we're just hoping that with enough therapy, holding out hope. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Definitely. I think you should go first. You should talk about your experience with parental alienation, I think, because yours is more firsthand as an adult who was a child who was alienated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to touch on like both because I feel like I was definitely alienated and P's behavior, I'm not sure 100% if he's just a six-year-old or if it's an alienation thing. I will say that his behavior gets so much worse when he spends time with his grandma. So, and I know she's done alienating before. So that does concern me, but I will start off with uh, that, like my stepson. Um, So we, we're fine. And like, he's never, he's never going to be totally alienated from us because his mom needs us to watch him when she has like random things to do or like overnight things or whatever. So I know that we'll never be like totally alienated because she sees us as babysitters. Yeah. Which I guess is good for us. I don't, I don't even know, but um, he does like really weird things. Like you had mentioned that his grandma has said something about the baby. And then he says like, I don't, or when we say like, what did she say or what happened or whatever? He says, I don't know. And that's always like his thing when he's telling us something that she said or done. It's always, he doesn't remember or he doesn't know or whatever. So that, um, that makes me think that his grandma is saying stuff about my husband and I, and maybe even the baby. I don't, I don't know, but uh, he, I don't know. Hold on. I need to compose myself. He spends so much time with her now and he didn't for like three years because she had moved somewhere else. So then she moved back in like December and it is like so obvious that when like we knew when he moved, when she moved back because of his behavior, not because anyone told us like we knew that he had been spending way more time with her because he just gets like more rude, more like distant from mostly me, but my husband and I, and she has tried alienating him since my husband and his ex first got separated. So he has been, she's been trying to push my husband out of the picture the entire time. But like, he does like little things. Like, um, my husband was like, Oh, what are you going to make yourself for lunch? Cause we're trying very hard to make him independent because he does not want to be. Um, and he's like, I don't know, but I'm not making Lauren anything. And it's like, I never asked him to make me lunch. So I have no idea where that came from. And it's just like little things like that. Or like when I sneeze, he never says bless you, but he'll say it to everybody else. And then one time my husband like yelled it from another room and I was like, Oh, thank you. And he's like, no one said bless you to you. And it's just like, not that I expected, like it didn't bother me that he didn't say it but now I know it's like very willful that he's like not being nice to me on purpose yeah so that's why I think that we're having some alienation alienating issues there um and also he has blamed my husband for breaking up their family before I don't know if he's been fed that or if he came up with that himself I don't know but he has said something like that before Mm. so I'm not sure if we're in an alienating situation but it definitely seems that way. And I don't trust his grandma at all. 
I don't think his mom is doing it like as much as many issues as she has caused. I don't think it's her. I think it's the grandma. Maybe like you said, Karen, you don't think Karen's doing it. Maybe it's the same feeling that I have about our Karen that she's doing it without realizing what she's doing. That is true. Maybe, maybe they're just not emotionally intelligent enough to realize what they're doing. That is actually so true. Um, because she does like, it reminded me when you were talking earlier that she does like the, I miss you thing. Um, mostly when he comes home, she's like, Oh my God, I missed you so much. Like, like this whole show about how much he missed her or she missed him. So, um, that made me think that maybe she is doing it like unintentionally. And I honestly believe that my mom did it unintentionally too. I don't think she was like being like willfully like horrible like that. Um, it's just, I don't know. She has no emotional intelligence. So yeah. And I guess people like that. And something that I forgot to say earlier was they rely on the children for their emotional support because they can't balance their own emotions and they have no emotional regulation themselves. So they rely on their children to do it. Exactly. And that is something that I had that I wanted to bring up that my mom did. So I guess I'll just segue into that really quick. But she relied on mostly me because I was like the most empathetic to her and like loyal to her, I guess. But for emotional support when like looking back, it's like she never relied on my dad, which she should have since that was her partner. Like they were still married. So he they should have been that's where her emotional support should have come from. But she tried to get it from her kids instead. And she tried to like make us all like hate my dad. And it worked. Like I feel so terrible now that like we grew up all hating my dad and now we all have a good relationship with him, but he um, was also an enabler because he hates conflict so much that he wasn't worth, like, it wasn't worth it to him to like fight it, I guess. And he was just like an enabler of her issues just to avoid conflict, which I don't understand at all. That is my husband. You know, my husband too. It drives me nuts. He he had to finally speak up and say something this weekend and he drafted an email and we got a thanks for an update and obviously what we suggested didn't get followed but he hates conflict so much that he just enables it and he just lets it slide like right. we that we have therapy as an option but sometimes that's not enough and I think that's why he kind of yes. lost his shit this weekend yeah I totally understand that I feel like I lose my shit because my husband won't like, like, it's not that I want him to create conflict, but I want him to like set boundaries. And if that creates conflict, then it is what it is. In my opinion, I'm from New Jersey. So I'm like loud and conflict person anyways. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it will to us listeners. Yeah. Not really to me, but I guess um, I I can relate to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I guess I touched on a bit, I guess, what my situation is. I guess I could talk about like a couple more examples of what's happened. Yeah. You know, we've had little Jay constantly, and this is probably the first time he's ever questioned anything, but he kept getting told one narrative about why his parents split up and he would just randomly bring up randomly like we'd be eating breakfast and he would say I still don't know why mom and dad broke up oh yeah we went through a lot of that too um but that that's genuinely curious with T as well because he's never known his parents together 
Yeah. Lil J did, and we know that he's been fed a false narrative, you know. You know, I don't know if I ever told you the story about hearing her wedding vows to her new husband, but she made a comment in her wedding vows because Big J had recorded it on his phone and he was so excited to show us. So we watched it just to humor him. And she had said somewhere in her wedding vows about how like, she was so grateful that she met him at the time when she got kicked out on the streets and her and her boys had nowhere to live. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I would be furious if my husband brought his old relationship into our wedding vows. Yeah. I would be like, okay, this is over. Don't even bother finishing. <laughs> yeah, we we had to compose ourselves. We're like, that that's just ridiculous. Like, I can't believe you just said that. But whatever. It just goes to show that at the time she probably wasn't over the relationship at all. Clearly. But th- but that's the stuff that the kids been fed, that my husband has done nothing for them, that he he left. He moved away. He didn't want them. Yet, yeah. Yet we actually have the receipts. We've got the emails where she emailed and said, it's so unfair you left me and you dumped the kids on me. I don't want them. Oh. And he said, well, I'm happy to take them, but I didn't want to upset them any more than yeah. I already had by forcing them to move schools and this, that, and the other. And, like, they'd agreed to sell the house, you know. But mind you, she lived in it for almost a year after they separated and he was paying the mortgage the entire time. Oh my God. You know, she didn't have to worry about any of that, you know, to save the conflict. He gave her in the divorce settle, like in the property settlement, he gave her 60% of the profit of the sale of the house just, just so that he didn't have to fight her. Right. And that is crazy. And yet the kids are being told that, you know, basically their father left them kicked them out into the streets they had nowhere to go that he doesn't want them that's why he left and a lot of this was put onto the kids at such a young age and about her feelings about the separation oh yeah and you know and it's continued like we've seen text messages it's not just the i miss yous i love yous mummy misses you mummy can't wait to see you it's the the actual relying on the child for emotional support with random messages of I'm so sad. Oh no. And like a situation had happened. Yes, she was sad, but you have a husband, you were with your family. And this touches on what you were saying before, like your mum was relying on you for the emotional support rather than her husband. And she's messaging her eldest son to get emotional support about a situation he wasn't even coping with. That's really sad. He was in our house and I'm trying to help him cope with the loss of someone I didn't even know. And she's messaging him about how sad she is. Oh no, that's horrible. But not once did she message him and ask him how he was feeling. Right. That is so sad. So we've had to deal with that. So that's where we know that there's proof of emotional parentification. And it was funny because the first time I mentioned it to the psychologist, She was like, can you please explain to me what you mean? And I think she was just more shocked that a common person who's not a therapist knew the term and knew the understanding of the term and knew what these things were happening. And she's like writing it all down. She goes, yeah, yeah, this this stuff is actually 
happening because I, I had said to her I don't know if it's all in my head if it's just I've looked into it too much yeah so and I guess this goes to the other stepmom's question from before is what can she do about it if you're not already seeing a therapist see a therapist talk to a therapist about what's happening and what you can do about it and that reminds me about the the list of things that I was saying before that one of the boys therapists had told us so I I spoke about the refraining from using the terminology of mum's house dad's house and refraining from telling them that you're going to miss them while they're in the care of the other parent the other one is and you do this with tea is let the child initiate contact oh yeah and it helps immensely it really does all right so so should we do stepmoms anonymous because it's almost midnight here okay um so for stepmoms anonymous we have a stepmom who wrote in I'm a stepmom to twin four-year-old girls. In the last year, we've had relations with bio mom turn incredibly high conflict. She got mad at us for putting boundaries in place that she sued uh, SO and they went through a $20,000 11-month long custody modification that just recently ended with zero changes to anything. I can relate to that. Uh, in between now and the lawsuit, Biomom has decided I'm public enemy number one and the reason she sued and has now started trying to alienate the kids from me. They frequently say they're not allowed to hug or kiss me. I'm not allowed to do their hair or paint their nails all because their mom says I'm an evil, mean person. It's all the time constant. They're saying these things. It's so hurtful and we can't say anything to Biomom because she will deny it or twist it back to me and SO. We try to say stuff like that. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, mommy doesn't know me or we asked what the kids want to do we also asked the kids if they'd be sad if mom's boyfriend they don't live together like we do but she insists they call him daddy so i i don't i'm like not understanding where the if they'd be sad thing comes from but i think she's, she's insist- sorry i think she's meaning would they be sad if like they couldn't hug or do things with their new daddy okay yeah that makes sense because she does put in parentheses, they don't live together, but she insists that he calls him, the kids call him daddy, which is creepy to me. That is creepy. And I don't I'm, like the whole forcing mommy daddy thing at all. Neither do I. Like I am advocate for what the kids want. I've always said, yeah. that, you know, whatever the kids are comfortable with, you want to come up with a nickname, whatever. I'm never going to tell the kids. Yes. No, I'm never going to force it. Forcing it. Yeah. I actually have a friend. I don't know if I've spoken about it to you before, but I have a friend who, when she got into a blended family relationship, like they moved in together within like weeks or months of starting to date straight off the bat. They had to call like the kids had to call her mom and her new partner dad like and he had a kid and she had a kid and they it was so messy and her justification to me was well you grew up that way with your brother and sister I said yeah but the situation was different like they chose to do that yeah and that is different if they like I know your stepkids call you like mama t right or something just big j he did for a while he's okay now he just tells everyone i'm his other mom now okay and like that's totally fine if t wanted to start calling me something like that i that would be fine but i would never ever 
suggest it or even worse, force it. I just think that's crazy. We went through something where my stepson thought, like, he always said, I thought I didn't have to listen to you or um, I didn't know I had to listen to you or like things like that. And we weren't sure again, if that came, like if he just came up with that or if he was fed that. So I'm curious about that with this too. But the fact that the mom is saying she's not allowed to hug them or paint their nails is insane to me because you would let like an aunt do that. Absolutely. So she's just making the stepmom out to be a bad person when she's probably not. This just reminds me of this craziest TikTok that I saw last night. And it was a bio mom crying about the fact that stepmom took the daughter dress shopping for her year six graduation. Wait, why? Because she, she wanted to do it? Well, she obviously had no intention to do it. And it was oh. so from what I watched on this video, the bio mom was crying because they went to the year six graduation and her daughter was wearing a brand new dress that she had never seen before. Now, in the video, she doesn't say that she took her daughter to go buy her a dress or wanted to do it. She just says she pulls the whole stepmom needs to stay in her lane thing. It should have been her that did it. It's like, we'll make some effort. And you should have done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you think it should have been you, then you should have done it. Because 90% of the time, if the stepmom isn't high conflict, she'll sit back and let the bio mom do something like that. Like the stepmom probably only did it because the bio mom didn't. Exactly. Like it came out a week from Big J's graduation. And I said to him, I said, has mom bought you anything to wear to your graduation? Oh, nah. And I said, that's fine. You can wear something from here because you have lots of nice clothes here. We buy the kids like nice dress shirts and stuff just for when we do family things or whatever, just they have a couple of those outfits. And I said to my husband, I said, she hasn't bought him anything. I said, can you please go into his wardrobe and help him pick an outfit that he can wear to his graduation? We weren't in a position to buy something brand new, but he had something. But if we were in the position to buy something brand new and he didn't have a special graduation outfit, damn straight, I would have taken him to go buy him something. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I honestly cannot imagine turning around to my son and saying, you can't hug her. Yeah, that's like, that's what bothered me the most about this message is that like, you're literally going to say that to your kid and they're going to feel the loyalty to you naturally. So like now these two girls like don't get to have a relationship with their stepmom just because you lost in court or whatever the problem is. It blows my mind. That is nasty. And I guess... The best advice I have for her is hang in there, show them that you love them, show that you care about them. Mm-hmm. One thing I started doing with little Jay, and it's more so because it's an autistic thing, is I just, and he's older, he's older than four, but you can start at four, is asking for consent. Yeah. You can still teach little kids about consent going, you know, if if I hug you and you feel like bad, then okay. But if it makes you happy, then that means that it's okay. Yes. That's great advice for her, actually. And that that's probably a good way to combat that alienation is explaining what yeah. consent is. And you can teach the girls. It was girls, wasn't it? Yeah, twin girls. So especially girls, I'm very big on teaching consent. And like Miss K is three, she can name all her body parts. Like not the full yeah. technical terms, but you know, I'm very big on teaching her that. And so you can teach the girls about consent and bad feelings and good feelings. And Miss Kay quite often, you know, if she doesn't want to hug her grandfather, 
I don't force her to. I would never, no. You know, so you, the best thing to do is have a childlike conversation, like an age-appropriate adult conversation with the child about consent, about good feelings and bad feelings and recognizing those feelings. Like, okay, mummy said that you can't hug me, but do you feel bad if you hug me? Does Do you feel scared? Does it feel wrong? Or do, do you feel happy when you hug me? And very much so you can give the child the choice. You know, I'm not going to make you hug me. I want to hug you, but if you don't want to hug me, I'm not going to hug you because that will teach them that you're not going to force yourself on them. Right. That's great advice because it also shows them that like you're willing to be patient and you're not as like terrible as the mom is saying that you are. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's great advice for any step parent, especially new step moms and stepdads yeah is to not force that interaction you know right you've got to build up to it and let the kids know that you're not going to make them do anything that they don't feel comfortable with and if bio mom is saying these things and they're coming home to you and they're saying oh mom mommy said i can't hug you you go well i i believe that it's your choice so if you want to hug me you can hug me. But if you don't want to hug me, I'm not going to make you hug me. You know, that's something I do with little Jay. Like I said, mostly because of the autism, but part of it is that alienation. And I saw it this weekend where he hasn't hugged me in six months, but he was excited to hug me and kiss me when he realized that I do love him and I do care about him and I'm not trying to hurt him. Right. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Four is like a really tough age um, for that because they're obviously just feeling, even if their parents were together, their loyalty would still most likely be to their mom just because that's how nature works. But I I would think that it would get better because at four, we had like some issues with that with T too. Um, but he got better about it. The other thing I would say is to have your partner say something. Like in our case, when he was like, oh, I didn't know I had to listen to her or whatever. My husband was like, always like, oh, like in this house, you have to, like, it doesn't matter what is said in the other houses in this house, you have to listen to her. Or like in this case, you'd be like in this house, we say it's okay if you hug her or like something like that, where your husband like lays down the boundary that the house rules in this house is different than whatever your mom says. And she can't control what happens in this house. Absolutely. That. That's something that we do here is our house rules are different and we have to reiterate to the boys. Mostly we have to reiterate to little Jay that what happens in the other house, we don't care. The rules are different and he needs to get on with it. I just, I want to hear more from this stepmom. So keep in touch with her and see if any of our tips help and see if things change. I definitely will. She's got a long time. Those babies are only four. They're still babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But good for her for hanging in there so far because that's a really tough stage to get through. Absolutely. And on that note, we are out of time again. So I just want to thank everyone for listening. I want you to go follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you're listening. And leave us a review. Bye. Bye. <laughs>